you are listening to a podcast from The National. The latest twist in the Abrage saga finds another big corporate name interested in its key assets, as well as founder Arif Nakvi fighting back. All this as external sentiment about the Gulf region is perhaps at an idea, and maybe not necessarily correctly given more positive fundamentals. But will global factors such as rising interest rates and trade tensions perpetuate the gloom? You're listening to the Business Extra podcast from the National's newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me are Assistant Business Editors Chris Nelson and Dania Saadi. Welcome, guys. Thanks very much, Mustafa. Thanks for having us. Uh, Dania, maybe we can talk a little bit about your story. Uh, you interviewed the uh, CEO of the Kuwaiti company Agility. His name's Tariq Sultan. And he said how on top of $2 billion worth of planned investments in his business, they're also looking at certain aspects of Abraj, despite the scandal and the issues around the private equity company. I mean, w- did he give any kind of indications to as to what he sees there that perhaps others ha- aren't? Well, Agility as a company has invested heavily in emerging markets and they have a big operations there. Uh, Abraj has invested also in uh, in emerging market companies and there's synergy there. If a company can sell some of its assets in emerging markets, why can't a company that operate there take them over and manage them in a, in a way that uh, is going to be acceptable to limited partners in the uh, Abraj portfolio. I mean, over the last few months, we've seen the Abraj saga unfold. A lot of issues around the founder, Arif Nakvi. He has some personal financial issues as well. We've seen in the last couple of weeks that art owned by both himself and the company is said to be on the on the, the sale block um, and not necessarily at kind of high prices either. The liquidators are involved. I mean, th- this all started because foreign investors were concerned about what was happening with their money that hadn't been deployed. And certainly hearing anecdotally financial industry professionals speak, they feel like a barrage was a watershed moment with foreign investors, that perhaps it would be more difficult going forward to raise capital for investments here outside of the region. But as you quite rightly point out, investors like Agility are, are looking at their assets. And there are other big names, both internally and externally, looking at Abraj's assets. You have Abu Dhabi Financial Group, which which is a big investor in many companies, and they turn them around and they help them grow. So that's another indication that uh, there is not just international, but even local interest uh, in Abraj. We've heard names like Centerbridge, uh, Colony Capital, uh, being interested in Abraj assets. So it's across the board. Uh, So it shows that what they have uh, are some jewels. It's just you need time to sell them at the right price. And it's reputation damage versus, you know, getting hold of some assets, I guess, Chris, and trying to turn them around mm-hmm. or, or keep them going. There obviously has to be some belief that, you know, Abraj was doing a lot right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, as Dania said, uh, you know, the interest is, is local and international. Um, another company interested, of course, is Axis, um, which invests in Africa, Asia and Latin America. It's got a similar portfolio to what Abraj had at the time before its collapse of uh, Axis is around about 13 billion. Um, the interesting thing from Actus's point of view is it was spun out a CDC group, which is the UK's development finance institution a few years ago. Now, CDC was one of the investors that hired a forensic accountant to examine what happened to some of the money in Abraj funds. So one can assume that it knows what's going on. And in doing so, probably is still in communication with Actus. It probably, uh, it's, it's not certainly not um, unimaginable to say that it came back from that forensic uh, examination 
and said to actors, yes, okay, it, it looks bad from the outside, but in fact there are, there are many good things to be picked from the bones of this. So, and I think that uh, is what other you know, big companies, both local and international, are thinking as well. So. And Arif Nagvi himself has made a statement. He, it's, it's one of the few times he's actually come out and directly addressed what's been going on. Um, it was very vociferous, wasn't it, Daniel, what he said? I mean, he, he essentially said that at no point did he move investor money into his own accounts well, he said it properly. Yeah, he said without their knowledge. right? Yeah, he said he did. He did well. What he drew down, he did so in full knowledge and compliance with uh, all necessary um, legal requirements. He's been embroiled in a couple of private cases with with people who lent him money during difficult times. You had Hamid Jafar, who was uh, also uh, part of Abraj, uh, who was uh, um, in charge of uh, Crescent uh, Crescent Enterprises, which is, which is a big Sharjah-based conglomerate. Um, and he had a couple of court cases in Sharjah. They were resolved, but uh, with the Abraj case, you never know what crops up because it's a, quite a developing story. It's a hot story. Um, and maybe now everyone wants to get a piece of the pie. Uh, last week, we had an interview with uh, the head of Alam Steel, uh, Vikram Bhatia, who said that he felt that given where the realities were on the ground, that sentiment was overdone, it was too gloomy, that there was growth. His business supplying steel to contractors, other, other customers had seen 20% growth over the last two years, which isn't bad. I mean, perhaps that's not the peak levels we've seen in the last mm. decade, but it's certainly somewhere where we were in so 05, 06. Um, and oil is at $80 per barrel. So, you know, I guess the, 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 the conversation we're trying to have today is given what's happening with issues like a barrage, other stuff going in the in the region, geopolitics, you know, is, is sentiment riffing off those things or is it really riffing off fundamentals at the moment? I think I think we have a, 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 a sort of long-standing problem, if you like, is the way that particularly the Western media like to portray this region. I think for them it's, uh, you know, something going wrong, something going bad is... Um, I don't know, maybe it appeals to the populist. You're saying uh, it's fake news, the, Chris. No, no, not at all. I'm just saying that they maybe place too much emphasis on the negative when there are, as you say, you know, fundamental long-term positives which are beginning to um, come to, come together. Um, I do agree with Chris. There have been a, lo a lot of developments in the past couple of weeks that shows that the region is on the right track. Uh, you have Bahrain uh, signed uh, an aid package with some Gulf countries that's going to help it uh, improve its finances and it's revealed uh, a, a, a reform plan that it plans to implement. Uh, it's approved the VAT law. They've, they've also working on bankruptcy laws and other laws. Um, in the UAE, you've had a lot of uh, initiatives that are aimed at stimulating private sector investment. Um, and even if we look at the IMF, which uh, had a very gloomy outlook um, for the global economy, it downgraded, it's, it's, it's revised down basically its uh, global economy growth forecast by 0.2 percentage point to 3.7 for this year and next year. But for Saudi, it raised it by 0.3 and 0.5 percentage points to 2.2 this year and 2.4 next year. So there is a growth story in the region. It might mm. not be 5 or 6 percent, but it's not gloomy. Mm. And, and the, the World Economic Forum put out its competitiveness index, um, UAE at 27th globally, mm. Saudi Arabia at 39th, they're one and two for mm. the region. They talked about economic stability being mm. a big factor. Um, and going forward, they're saying if, if they can improve in ICT readiness in this region, obviously technology is a big 
big factor if if this region can keep up or or get ahead of the curve mm-hmm. when it comes to the implementation mm-hmm. of communications and technology. It'll really help its competitiveness. So certainly, the you know if we, if we're following through here on on this argument that that there there are positive fundamentals, but maybe what we need is we need follow through. Mm-hmm. So that means we need somebody to come in and buy Abraj's assets, for example, to show that the companies and the portfolios that they own are still good and will actually materialize for those investors. Possibly we need, you know, real tangible benefits from the aid package to Bahrain, as you were saying, Dania, but also Jordan as well as agreed an aid package. Let's see the money flow through. Mm-hmm. And Redan 21, for example, the Abu Dhabi stimulus package that's mm-hmm. planned for the next three years. Mm-hmm. We need to see that on the ground having an effect. Mm-hmm. So the next three months are crucial. Yeah, I think they're very important. I think the fourth quarter this year is um, is possibly uh, the most important since we had to deal with the, the uh, collapse in oil prices from a point of view of the way the area is perceived, the region's perceived um, from outside and also from inside. But, um, you know, when we're talking about the WEF um, positioning for for the UAE and Saudi. Remember, 27th for the UAE, that's out of 140 countries. It's not like it's just a few countries dotted about here and there. And, um, you know, Saudi ranked a second in the region at 39, and that's up two places from last year, um, while the UAE maintained its own spot. Um, You know, things that the UAE are doing, like waiving corporate fines in Dubai and Abu Dhabi, allowing 100% foreign ownership in in, uh, companies in selected sectors from the end of this year, um, are all major positives but as you see as you say the end of this year is is going to be really really important to see those things actually come come to fruition in one way or another yeah we need we need more than a pr exercise really at this stage i think a lot of good words have been spoken but now you know given the challenges there needs to to be a lot actually done i mean daniel the 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 wider macroeconomic picture i mean you say that the imf is 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 looking a, a bit more positively at the region but there are global issues i mean rising interest rates is going to have an impact here um because we're pegged to the us dollar if the fed keeps hiking, then we have to follow suit. And then, of course, there's what's been ongoing all year has been these the tensions around global trade and how that could impact sentiment I mean, in China itself and, and also China's such a big customer for us. So I guess we have to see how the rest of the year plays out on, on how much of an impact both positively and negatively interest rates have. But do you not get the impression that they're sort of we're moving to a bit of a risk-off atmosphere for investors? They're trying to avoid it. And if interest rates are rising and you get more money, more for your money sitting in a bank account, you're less likely to invest it elsewhere. Definitely, there are a lot of challenges facing all the economies. But I think when we when we look at the UAE economy, it has diversified so much. It has so many trade partners. It has uh, uh, so many sectors that are under development. So we cannot just say higher interest rates, bad mortgages will suffer, uh, the economy will suffer. We have to look at uh, how the uh, country is developing its economy to uh, withstand all these challenges. Uh, um, You have uh, the UAE working on different fronts uh, in terms of uh, being an aviation hub. Um, It has uh, a lot of going with the Expo 2020 in Dubai. So um, there there isn't... um, uh, we, we cannot just say that um, there are challenges. There are lots of opportunities too. And um, I think it's, it, it's uh, as I have said, like there the, the are global challenges and the UAE is part of that uh, global economy, but they're taking concrete steps and that's what's positive. 
More Business Extra in just a moment, but first allow me to tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And our newest show, The Cricket Pod, is where our experts shine a spotlight on the gentleman's game. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Find us as always at thenational.ae. Now, Chris, uh, a little bit earlier, you caught up with a, a Saudi entrepreneurial guru, mm. Fadi, Fadi al who kind of can offer a, a grassroots insight in terms of what's happening at the economy at the startup level. Um, he, he gave you sort of uh, a bit of color on the scene in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he was basically saying, saying that what he, I mean, he's a seri- ex-serial entrepreneur himself and a former professional uh, commercial banker. So, And his role is in acting as a mentor to entrepreneurs or startup founders in a way that links them with both state and private sector opportunities, both venture capital and some of the um, some of the state-backed um, entrepreneurial and startup funds that are available. And he has obviously a very wide network of people who he's worked with. So what that does is, is it takes away that potential problem of a startup or, or an entrepreneur being isolated or feeling isolated and having to do the legwork to get to these um, opportunities which are there so he acts as a kind of uh, like a go-between if you like but he also has an awful lot of experience so he can act as, a, as an independent guide for for um, for the young uh, startups and, and entrepreneurs there well let's hear a little bit of your discussion with uh, Fadi Al-Awami uh, welcome, Fadi. Um, I wonder, can you just give us an idea of your background and successes as, as an entrepreneur? Okay, actually, I have established uh, several, let's say, traditional businesses, uh, which is HVAC, contracting, material supply, and also I have established uh, financial advisory mm-hmm. from my experience as a banker. Okay. So many, many uh, people approached me to get some advisory, so I, I set up this advisory uh, uh, business mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, in which again I got a lot of experience out yeah. of this this uh, businesses and then you know I decide to share my experience with with the new startups yeah, yeah. to help them to you know let's say uh, pass the or uh, the challenges that they have yeah, yeah. I you know that will help them a lot as I believe as because the experience yeah, yeah out of my experience yeah. as a uh, startup and entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and the 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 HVAC uh, HVAC stands for uh, it's AC. That's uh, for AC. Yeah, so we used to do uh, yeah. projects. Yeah, uh, for AC, you know, maybe it's uh, like a typical contracting business, but mm-hmm. I was uh, focusing on customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So many things that maybe the the market at that time. In my uh, in our area that have lack of this these issues, so we focus on the customer satisfaction. Mm-hmm. So we try to enlarge our market uh, share, mm-hmm. and which apparently we had good good uh, progress in that. Mm-hmm. And when you, um, I mean, you're a young man now, obviously. So when you started these <laughs> yeah. businesses, um, you must have been, you know, you must have been a, a pretty uh, a, a pretty young young entrepreneur at the time. <laughs> Actually, uh, I before I established these businesses, I had uh, experience in banking sector for mm-hmm. eight years, okay. from retail and corporate. So that definitely give add good value for me mm-hmm. in order to 
manage these businesses in different way than most of the startups now doing because some of them that are even younger than the stage mm-hmm. some of them they don't have the chance to to be employee mm-hmm. so uh, it's always good to to start up the business at younger age uh, maybe some factors because usually risk taker mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. and uh, again some some of the startups now they didn't have a chance to have a good job so they decide to to set up their businesses yeah. and yeah. Uh, i think we think, have good success stories do you think that um that is particularly prevalent in in saudi arabia where where you um are based and where you started your uh, entrepreneurial career given that um it, it's such a much bigger population than the uae uh, perhaps as you say there are situations where younger um younger saudis look at, at at getting a you know a career or a job that they want and then think actually it it might be easier for me to just start my own business do you think that's more prevalent in saudi than it is here yeah nowadays uh, we can notice that that mm. uh, the people who are deci- who decided to to set up their businesses now is even larger than before maybe before or because of there are like uh, some of them they have innovative ideas mm-hmm. uh some of them they have passion to have their businesses and also there are the, the market itself there there was a good potential to, to do business even typical businesses like restaurants mm-hmm. like a, a contracting so at that time the reason for the people that to to set up their businesses is something else so, so to uh, to expand their net worth like uh, to to generate more income some of them they still under i mean working uh, at their jobs mm-hmm. and they have and a side as a sideline yeah as yeah. a sideline so but nowadays as again because of the maybe the market situation right now uh, even uh, many people comes from outside with a good degrees and mm-hmm. with good also uh, ideas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they start to So it stimulates the 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 home market as it were. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so this is what happened and uh, you know this this these people usually they have lack of soft skills although mm. they have good brilliant ideas. Mm. Maybe they get it from outside from their knowledge or from their reading as well. Mm-hmm. But they have lack of soft skills. And by soft skills you mean uh like communication mm-hmm. like negotiation mm-hmm. like focusing on customer satisfaction mm-hmm. because they have never practiced these sure. these things since they have not uh worked with any yeah. organization yeah. so that's this is one of the field that i am trying to to focus on mm-hmm. to like uh, uh educate Mm-hmm. the startup entrepreneurs about these things this is in your role as as a as a, as a contributor yeah. as a contributor and yeah. as also as a consultant yeah. because i am doing mentoring for yeah. for for some startups yeah. so i always focus on the personality for the startup mm-hmm. for the for the entrepreneur to overcome these challenges because mm-hmm. uh, you know we don't want him to rely on others for the whole uh, sure. journey what would say. you what would you say then if if you were to give um a, a wannabe entrepreneur um the sort of the soundest single piece of advice you could give them what what in a nutshell what would that be what do you think is the most important thing uh, each entrepreneur he should think about uh, what's the added value for the startup so copying the other's idea nothing wrong with that as long as you will have added value maybe different approach maybe uh same quality with the 
يعني جود جود برايسنج اي مين لور برايس اور سمثينج بت يو شود هاف اولسو اولويز اي مين ادد فاليو فور يور بزنس تو يو نو ات ليست تو هاف ماركت شير اند تو بي تو كومبتيتيف ادفانتج امونج ذا اذرز اولسو ون اوف ذا امبورتنت ثينج تو تشوز ذا رايت منتور فور مي ذا منتور از ون اوف ذا امبورتنت فاكتور فور to succeed for success for any any startup mm-hmm. and um, that has to be somebody that you actually you actually get on with as a, as a as a as a another person you 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 um connect with them in a way that that is meaningful because i guess if if you're working with as a mentor and you're working with people who don't feel they connect with you then that's not really going to uh, yeah exactly see even yeah. from both sides the mentor himself he should have the right experience mm-hmm. to uh, you know to, to understand what is the challenges for the startup at different stages also the mentee or the entrepreneur he should also respect the the, the experience for the for the yeah, mentor yeah. because maybe they both of they have different age like uh, different time because you know said that the, uh, nowadays most of the startups are it related mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, businesses previously the different uh, different activity but Again, he should respect the experience for the mentor, mm-hmm. so he can get the more advantage out of the decisions. Yeah. So get gain from his experience. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, again, if we show, focus on the personality, mm. so we give him like uh, the confidence in order to overcome all these obstacles. Because in the beginning, he should, he will like find some some specific uh, challenges during the startup phase. Then for in the expansion phase. It's a different uh, challenges. Mm-hmm. At that time, maybe he could be able to deal with invest the advisors, mm-hmm. so he can he will be able to pay for them. But in the beginning, usually, he should uh, he should focus his investment on on the the business itself. And do you, as a consultant, are you able to advise on investors and investments that might be suitable for each uh, for each um, entrepreneurial pupil, if you like, that uh, that you mentor? Or, or do you just give them a general a general guideline to, towards raising finance should they need to do so? See, if, uh, the investors now, honestly, we have a good good uh, let's say good trend on that. Uh, many VCs have been established already in Saudi mm, Arabia, even here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they have good focus. Yesterday, I found so many people very active in uh, at Jitex. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, usually uh, this. Investors, they have like uh, their their goals or their uh, criteria for for to evaluate each startup. Some of them they prefer, let's say, to to start to to invest on the IT related uh, mm-hmm. uh, businesses really, yeah, yeah. or right. other things. Mm-hmm. So usually, I, I I can I can link them together. I can uh, like uh, support the startup to mm-hmm. to to prepare himself very well in order to set with the investors because again. For the startups, when you invest, usually you invest with the, the entrepreneur himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get my point. So yeah. sometimes the idea is brilliant, the idea is good, but maybe because of the he doesn't have the enough experience. You know, sometimes one simple mistake might uh, might you know uh, collapse the business. Yeah. You get yeah. my point. So yeah. so it's very important to sit together to evaluate the, the entrepreneur mm-hmm. himself. Mm-hmm. Regarding the other parts, I think uh, again it depends on the investor himself about his. Some of them they they prefer to 
to invest on uh, profit uh, companies who are generating profit mm-hmm. so they can mm-hmm. share the profit from the year one mm-hmm. some of them they know they they all the like to, exactly yeah. Uh, yeah. they accept some risk that mm-hmm. okay i don't have to to get profit right now but they are uh, uh, investing on the value for the startup mm-hmm. or for the business itself do you think um, i mean obviously the role is important of entrepreneurs and startups in this region um do you think with the uh, sort of stated um, desire to to move away from, uh, particularly in Saudi Arabia and, and the UAE, to move away from a reliance on oil revenue mm-hmm. has has kind of fueled an uptake in, in uh, entrepreneurialism and startup founding uh, in, in both countries? Yes, definitely. Actually, uh, even in Saudi Arabia, this is part of the vision to, to, to empower... Vision the, 2030. The, yeah. Vision 2030 yeah. to empower the SME sector. And SME usually uh, they uh, consider the startups also in this segment mm-hmm. uh, and the entrepreneurs. Uh, you know, from uh, other countries, uh, this uh, the SMEs and entrepreneurs they always uh, contribute and employment for for the other uh, you know help to um, to employ mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. national people and uh, also the one of the uh, the the vision. Uh, plans to, to increase the uh, contribution of SME sector on the GDP to mm-hmm. from 20% to 35 mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this this requires a lot of work so more than double then yeah 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 it's actually it's uh, maybe well, uh, it's, uh, 75% yeah. 80% yeah. which is it's a very it's a challenging yeah. Uh, yeah. target but uh, we, so we can understand the focus and the great effort yeah. uh, from the government uh, yeah. to to to, and to support the sector. Mm-hmm. What would you say, I mean, obviously the developments so far uh, over the past five or ten years have, have been very productive in both Saudi Arabia and the wider Gulf region, including the UAE. Looking ahead five to ten years, um, what do you think the outlook is um, for for the region with regards to um, the development of the SME sector? I believe that uh, this sector will be expanding a lot uh, because of the support, as, I t- as, as we discussed, mm-hmm. from the government side. Also, the the, uh, the desire of the big companies to invest in this sector because they believe that uh, the, the yeah. impact. And because, you know, we have so many success stories now, as uh, just, for example, as Kareem, and yeah. uh, other businesses that Super, you know they yeah. they they could yeah. uh, become like a international brand mm-hmm. so there was there is big focus on that and that will definitely empower the sme sector in order to to participate a lot not only on the gdp uh, also in the employment which is i think this is one of the important uh, uh, Goals mm, for the government to, to yeah, yeah to, to uh, in the way that they empower this segment uh, yeah. to to generate jobs to, to participate in the economy the local economy mm-hmm. and also they want to have a more success stories from mm-hmm. coming from this region uh, to, to to the rest global. of the world of course rest yeah, of the world. If, exactly yes, I mean Kareem is is now a global name in the sense that um, uh, you know the rest of the world has heard of its success and knows what happened. Um, exactly. Yeah, so. And also, again, as we discussed, uh, we should also pass a message that we are not only reliant on oil because yeah. we have diversified economy mm-hmm. now and this all companies comes from our region, mm-hmm. which is always uh, good for the, for the economy to yeah. diversify from yeah, uh, the oil yeah. sector. Fadia Alawami, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thanks for your time. 
That was entrepreneurial guru uh, Fadi Al-Awami talking to Chris Nelson. Um, interesting what he said about mentoring. Uh, it can't be done alone. Uh, I think in general, uh, the landscape in the UAE and the wider Gulf has moved much more towards uh, businesses and startups supporting each other, a lot more program, a lot more of an ecosystem compared mm -hmm. to 10, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. It used to be you either had to know what you were doing straight away or, or it was over. Yeah. But certainly it feels like there are a lot more people out there willing to help. Right? I think so, definitely. I, I think, um, as you say, in the UAE, and as Fadi was saying in, the, in Saudi Arabia, the confidence among the younger generation now is is much higher than it would have been 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, that, that A, they're going to be listened to, B, there are funds available, and C, they got help. Uh, Daniel, you're a deputy business editor. Um, earlier I said assistant, but that was... That was my mistake. Um, you're the deputy business editor, so you do a lot of coverage of the startup scene and SMEs. And every week in the section, actually, you you're doing you know sort of start generation S, right? Generation startup. So what have you you've interviewed a lot of these guys? Um, have, any particular traits in common that they seem to have, or you know, any any kind of challenges that they they generally seem to be, to be coming across most most often? I think an interesting aspect of how they uh, start off with the idea is that they, they, they face a problem and they try to solve it themselves and then they get an idea of developing it into a product or a service or a platform that can serve others. Um, there was uh, one lady who was celiac and she couldn't eat uh, any wheat products. So she started an online platform to sell uh, gluten-free products. And from there, she started selling other goods that were gluten-free, healthy, organic. Uh, and it, it came from a personal issue she was struggling with. Uh, another another feature uh, of the startups, especially the ones in Dubai, they talk about the ease of doing business. Um, sometimes they might have faced in the beginning initial problems with funding, but that's improving. Uh, and we can see that the funding environment is improving uh, for startups. Uh, we've seen many startups receive uh, recently, like you had Mom's World, which sells products for mom, uh, for mothers and children. They received a substantial mm -hmm. $20 million in funding. Um, and you have big names like Mohammed Labbar, who is part who is part of uh, Middle East Venture Partners (MEVP), and that's one of the big venture capital uh, investors in the region. So you just you don't just have small fry involved; mm. you have big names who see a potential. And also, you have Namshi, a startup for luxury um, uh, fashion sales. It was bought by Amar Malls, and we know that Amar is part of Amar Properties, which is um, led by Mohammed Labbar. So. Um, you can see that the interest is widespread. Um, it's many sectors in technology. It's not just um, having a startup uh, that's going to die. It's startups are booming. I think also the the the, um, the major successes that startups have had here, such as um, you know Souk um, and and Kareem, that I mean those are really huge successes. And I think. You know, when when young entrepreneurs think about the possibilities of succeeding in this country, they look to or this region, they look to companies like that and think, do you know what? I think I could do that. Well, that's a, as good a place as any to leave it for this week. And just bear in mind that in the next uh, few weeks, we'll be talking to other uh, entrepreneurs and to VCs as well in the region. Uh, the final quarter of this year will very much be marked by the tech scene and, and what's happening there. Uh, thanks to Chris Nelson pleasure Mustafa and Dania Saadi for being with me thank you and for all of you listening all that remains is to thank our producer Kevin Jeffers and please do join us again next time 